You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. (laughs) The Ultra Player of the Week. Boy, according to all of Heat Twitter, Heat fandom, not a lot of options out there. There's a little bit of disarray amongst Heat Nation and uh, not quite a, a good place to be in. I feel, look, you guys are without a doubt the very best fans. Every fan group has its ups and downs. Every fan group has some things that they probably should not be doing or or saying on the timeline. But I got to say, the passion with which you guys live each and every game, unbelievable. I, I'm truly jealous sometimes. Like I, I don't know how much of a change it would have for, for me as a journalist or a podcaster, but I, I certainly I, I can envy the incredible way with which you sway up and down. It's also exhausting, i got to be honest with you. I, I remember, and I've talked about the fact that I no longer watch the NFL or football in general, mostly because a Dolphins loss on Sunday meant – that I probably would be in a funk for at least a couple of days. Like I wouldn't be out of it until Wednesday, kind of the same way that you are like with the playoff game and in the NBA, like an NBA playoff loss hits heavy. I don't sweat the regular season losses anymore. There's some bad ones. Yeah. Losing to Garrison freaking Matthews uh, is not pleasant. Losing to a Hawks team without a couple key players is not fun, but I, I just, uh, Losing to Luka Doncic shooting from 30 feet out with Bama DeBio draped all over him. That, hey, what the hell are you going to do? And, I, and I'll start off our conversation there because Bam seems to be drawing a lot of the wrath today. And it's unfortunate because he's in such a difficult place. And I've talked about this before. And yet, you know, what can I do to change everybody's perspective? Bam is an incredible player. If you if you can't see that, I don't know what you want out of basketball. Like his defense is top notch. He is a phenomenal passer at the center position. He is a very good scorer, and I can understand the concerns about his aggression and things of that sort. On a night when Jimmy Butler isn't available against the Dallas Mavericks, and Bam only shoots four of ten, not great. But I think, as I've said before. That Bam is continuing to navigate very murky waters, uncharted territory outside of Denver, for a playmaking big to be aggressive and find his scoring punch is not easy. He wants to make plays for others. Duncan Robinson went 6-14 of for 20 points. 19, really, but 20, let's say. Almost 20 points. That's a hell of a night for him. That doesn't happen without Bam actively looking to get him going. Trevor Ariza's 7-11 shooting, yeah, some of that was created on his own, but it also helps to have a bad buy out there making plays, swinging that extra pass around to find Ariza out on the perimeter. Bam finished with 11 assists. I think he went into the game knowing he had to be the playmaker without Jimmy there. And that's a big part of Jimmy's game too. It's just different in that Jimmy controls the pace in a different way that Bam does. Jimmy can get to the line virtually at will. And unfortunately, Adebayo only went to the line six times 
and Oleg was able to complete three of those free throw attempts. So not the best performance from the line for him, but I just, I cannot, I'm not, is it the contract? Is this Joe Johnson all over again? Because I feel like Johnson is a player who was really, really damn good in those those, those years with Atlanta and then Brooklyn and everything else. And I know his career tapered off and heat legend for half a season, if, if even two months, maybe three months in total. But one of those guys, which, you know, you get rewarded with a contract and then all of a sudden everybody thinks, oh, that's it. He sucks. He's never going to be good enough to live up to that those contracts, that numbers. Tyler Johnson for Miami fans. How about that? Because that's a guy who was a pretty solid performer getting paid $12 million a year, and everybody hated it because, of course, the last two seasons were nearing $20 million in total uh, balloon payments of a $50 million deal. That sucks. But who paid it? That was Pat Riley. That was Mickey Arison from on high saying, we lost Dwayne. We can't afford to lose Tyler, too. It's not the contract is exactly what Bam deserves, and the franchise gave it to him. It's nobody's fault but the franchise if they don't put him in a position to either maximize what he can do or if he, he just doesn't reach another level that meets all of your expectations. I'd say the franchise is pretty happy with their all-star center. I mean, I know he didn't make the all-star this year through no fault of his own. Jimmy misses three weeks, and the team kind of sucks a little bit, and then all of a sudden – you're not going to get the same kind of all-star consideration, but you've got to stick with your guys here. You know, this this is your team. You love this Miami Heat team, and you're all forgetting until the next game where Bam has a monster block or, you know, blocks or, or stands in the way of Seth Curry or, or Kyrie Irving in a playoff matchup, and he stonewalls him at the perimeter, and then all of a sudden you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, that Bam guy, he's actually he's actually not bad. And then all of a sudden, you kind of start to feel guilty about saying, well, maybe, you know, he, he wasn't the bum I said he was on March 4th in a loss to the Dallas Mavericks, who are fighting to avoid the play-in tournament and get into the playoffs. Like, it, it's not like this is a really bad Mavericks team, an inconsistent one maybe without Chris Stapps Porzingis, but Porzingis, you could argue, has been a biggest part of their problem. Like, you would say Maxi Kleba, you know, somebody that a lot of Heat fans probably don't even know his loss was probably much more of a problem for the Mavericks yesterday because he's at least a floor-spacing big who does all the little things that Porzingis does not and has not ever done. I don't, I don't know where to, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to chastise all of you. You're listening to this podcast. You're an adult. You know what to do. But that's Bam out of bio. There are 29 other teams that would love to have Bam out of bio. Maybe 28 if you count that he couldn't find a way to play alongside Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Nikola Jokic, MVP level Nikola Jokic is the only other center option right now. Maybe Philadelphia, I guess. And even then, I'm sure they'd tell Joel Embiid and, and, and even Jokic, hey, you got a new power forward, figure it out. Get him going. You know? Look, he does, does he shoot from the perimeter? Not yet. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. He's 23 years old. I, I keep having this conversation, you know, and, and I... And I hope you understand from my perspective, this is a conversation. I, I am speaking alone into a microphone, but I am reaching thousands of you as I talk about this. And, and I just feel like I am talking to you and saying, be patient. I have, to t- I have to preach this to my two-year-old toddler all the time. Jake, calm down. Be patient. At two, you're trying to take on the world. And all of you are trying to make Bam an all-NBA MVP type player immediately. This is his second season as a starter. It's been pretty damn good. He's progressing just fine. You know what? I was going to make 
Jimmy Butler, whose absence was felt a little bit, uh, you know, he, obviously his absence was felt, and I'll I'll touch on that because I think, you know, there were moments there in that third quarter when Dallas is starting to pull away, when Miami's making a run, when Rick Carlisle, you know, calls a timeout and stops whatever flow Miami's slowly starting to build. And then all of a sudden, you don't have Jimmy out there to get to the line to put Doncic in further foul trouble, to just shift things in Miami's favor. Instead, you have to rely on Bam, and not quite as easy, not quite as smooth a transition. But you know what does go down smooth is a great taste of Michelob Ultra. And that's why Bam Adebayo still is my Ultra Player of the Week. I'm shouting it out to Bam. I, I don't. I know he can be frustrating for all of you. But I don't think there's a player that gives as much effort as Bam does on this roster. I know there's some concern about maybe lingering injury or fatigue over the course of the season. I've seen some well-noted Heat fans that have issues perhaps with his level of fatigue and whether or not that might be impacting his abilities over the last couple weeks, months, whatever you want to look at. But I I think he is a player that gives his all. What more could you possibly want? He's out there enjoying every moment he's got so much happiness when he has a big play so much exuberance energy you feed off that the team feeds off that that joy that's that's something you can't duplicate and not many players have it but bam certainly does and that's why he's unique he's special like the taste of a Michelob Ultra. it's only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs enjoyment might not be the end game but it's the whole game right If you don't enjoy the game, if you're not relishing in these moments as a fan, as a listener of this podcast, as a consumer of Michelob Ultra, then I don't know, you're missing out on something. The game is only better when you're enjoying it. And that's why Bam Adebayo remains my Ultra Player of the Week. But I'll talk about Eric Spolster in the next segment because there are some concerns, at least for me, that maybe his time in Miami might be at an end. I'll talk about that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. What's going on in Portland? Well, I'll tell you what. According to Sham Sharani and Sam Amick of The Athletic, it seems that Terry Stotts, the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, might be on the hot seat. A new piece that's out on The Athletic, for those of you that are not subscribers, and you should. I understand the first feeling is, oh, they're on a paywall. Well, guess what? You have to pay for good journalism. You have to pay for good stuff, you know? There's plenty of other sites that will aggregate this stuff and don't pay their employees or writers and things of that sort, and that's well, that's not good. I'd love for advertisers to come swooping in and pay everybody, you know, lots and lots of money. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So when they ask for a subscription, a measly $5 monthly subscription, I know that might seem like a lot for some people, but when you use DoorDash or Uber or any other food delivery service, you're paying a lot more and you're not getting exactly the same kind of value as daily great journalism. And that's not just an advertisement for the athleticism, uh, for the athletic, excuse me. That's also for Sports Illustrated that's recently gone behind a paywall too and, and other sources like that. Uh, anyway, as far as Terry Stotts in Portland, it seems like it seems like unless they, the Trailblazers make an, un, an incredible, unheralded run to the NBA Finals, Stotts is out. He has not gotten 
the most out of the Trailblazers in his nine seasons there uh, that maybe Dame Lillard is increasingly frustrated. Of course, there was a piece from uh, Chris Hayes over at Yahoo Sports talking about uh, Dame frustrated and that maybe, I don't know, that maybe he's looking to make a change, a wide sweeping change with the roster, maybe the front office, and they have to do what they can to appease their star. I don't know that it's necessarily going to cost Stotts his job, but I feel like there's increasing frustration there from the front office that a team that I thought was going to be making a deep run in the playoffs has not achieved as much as they could have. A lot of that due to injury. Guess what? You don't have your best players out there. There's a good chance you're going to lose a couple games here and there in between. But, you know, if there's frustration from Lillard, that gets the wheels going. And maybe he needs to have more open lines of discussion and say it's not necessarily about Stotts. Terry's my guy. He says that. Three words. Terry's my guy. And it's all done. You don't look to replace Stotts. You don't look to hire anybody else. But I guess Dame hasn't said those three words. And if that's the case, then the Portland top brass might be looking to fill that gap with somebody else. Now, Sharania and Amick list the following potential coaching candidates for the Blazers. Jason Kidd, Nate McMillan, who's still only an interim coach in Atlanta, but as expected, at least from what I've heard, to get the job full-time. 76ers assistant Dave Yeager, Clippers assistant Chauncey Billups, and Spurs, Spurs excuse me, vice president of basketball operations Brent Barry. As bright a mind as you ever could get, and certainly you know, somebody that Heat fans should be familiar with for his brief half a season here when he was traded uh, in exchange for Ike Austin. But Barry is a, a good guy and a smart guy. Uh, however, no coaching experience, so I don't know if that's necessarily the best fit for a team of veterans like C.J. McCollum and others. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe that's a, that's a huge daunting challenge. Like I know they, I know the the template is one Steve Kerr a few years ago, former player, former executive, all around smart guy, and he went into a good situation where they took the toxic Mark Jackson out there. And look, it's not that Mark Jackson is necessarily a bad coach. It's just that he was a toxic one, throwing players, throwing assistant coaches under the proverbial bus in exchange for what, looking better and appeasing Steph Curry to some degree and making him the star of that team, and rightfully so. Steve went in there with a completely different approach, got the best out of their players, managed egos as well as he ever, as anybody ever has, I mean, maybe alongside Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra as the best in the business and massaging those egos, which need constant managing. There's no denying that. Great players have great ego, and they could absolutely tear a team apart if they're not kept in check to some degree. And, and you look what happens without, you know, top-end talent like Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson on your roster, an older, you know, uh, Draymond Green. You're in a play-in tournament, in theory, in Golden State. You know, you're getting an MVP-level production from Steph Curry, but overall, it's a harder roster to get the most out of. You know, you've got a, James Wiseman as a rookie. You've got Juan Toscano Anderson playing major minutes out there. No knock on those guys, but, you know, not exactly high-level NBA players at this point in their respective careers. Which brings us back to Eric Spolstra, a guy who does get the most out of players, who has been, throughout his tenure in Miami, well-recognized for, one, working with superstars, and two, getting the most out of Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Josh Richardson, on and on and on. No coach perhaps better than Eric Spolstra in being able to get the most out of an accomplished roster. Now, you look at 
Spolstra being from Portland, you look at his father's ties to the organization there. It's not hard to connect the dots, right? And there's this interesting quote that was included in that piece in The Athletic. If the Blazers ultimately make a move on the Stotts front, sources say they'd likely go for a big-name, high-dollar coach to replace him. Remember, this is the same ownership group that has the Seattle Seahawks and their dynamic leader, Pete Carroll. The thinking, potentially, is that it's time for Lillard's Blazers to have someone of that ilk to take them to the next level. Doesn't take much to read between the lines there. Like, Carroll is a close friend of Spolstra's. I'm not sure if there's been communication there about the owners of the Seahawks slash Blazers, but Spo has gone to Carroll many times, picked his brain about coaching. I want to say that Spo has addressed the Seahawks and attended practices and things of that sort. And I think he's brought Carroll in for the same purpose in Miami. So there's a synergy there. There's a partnership. He would be part of a great coaching tree under this ownership group. Guys that have uh, a similar view and approach to coaching and getting the most out of their roster and team building and just managing you know, quality of life outside of the, the coaching ranks. They're both dedicated. They're both really detail-oriented, etc. And it's not to say that Spo has any issues with Miami. I believe, and I'm saying this wholeheartedly, that he is a guy who loves everything about this organization, that he loves this front office, that he's indebted to Mickey Arison and Pat Riley and everybody in this front office for the opportunity that they provided for him. And we all know his story. No need to go over that. But Spo also strikes me a guy that loves a challenge. There's no denying that. he is. He's talked about uh, chaos, being a necessary element that needs to be introduced there because only through chaos can sometimes can you lead to a catalyst, a type of change that you need to initiate. And if you're looking for that next challenge, maybe bringing back this exact same roster with whatever, Victor Oladipo, Kyle Lowry, or somebody else next year isn't representative of the best kind of challenge. And this is the time to do it. As a, as a father of young children, and you know I can't speak for... Nikki Spolstra and what she would prefer or where she's originally from. I don't know her background other than she was a former Heat dancer. But aside from that, that's a young family. And this is the time to make that move. You're either going to plant roots here in Miami, you're never going to leave, or there's a good chance that you're going to go elsewhere now before the kids are in school, before you take them out and disrupt their lives, and then you can spend the next 20 years of your coaching career in Portland or wherever. I mean, that's the reality here that we're talking about. And, and I, I could see all the different things falling into place. He's going to get approached. Of that, I, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure. Like, if they fire Stotts, there's a good chance Spo gets that call. I'm not uh, I'm not indicating anything. This isn't sourced. This is all speculative on my parts. But I, I strongly believe, I have a strong belief that this, the, the Blazers – and their ownership group would reach out to Eric Spolstra and see if he's at least interested. Maybe, again, <laughs> as so often as the case in the NBA, two words, nah, not really. Nah. You know, that somewhere along those lines from Eric Spolstra, and, and that's it. It's over. I end the conversation. I love Miami. Three words, too, to match Dame Lillard's three words. Terry's my guy. Instead, maybe he doesn't say those things, and, you know, we've seen it before. Would anybody have thought in 1995 
that Pat Riley was frustrated with the you know the Knicks ownership group that they would choose something else over him, someone else over Pat Riley. I, I couldn't have seen that happen. You know, you lured Jimmy Johnson away. You lured Bill Parcells away here in South Florida. I mean, maybe these are dated references, but coaching changes happen all the time. They're unexpected. And you look at a guy like Eric Spolstra, and he could be saying to himself, this is it. I've done everything I can. Let's say, let's say in theory, you go on another finals run with this team. You get the most you can out of Jimmy Butler. You get the most that you can out of Bam Adebayo. Duncan shows up. Kendrick shows up, et cetera. You fall short to the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. And then you're saying to yourself, well, maybe I just can't get it done with this group. Or maybe it's time for me to try something else. They're going to be in good hands. They'll find somebody to take over. I don't know who. They'd probably bring Dan Craig back, to be honest with you. But aside from that, I, I think that he could be looking at another challenge. Something to take his his personal desire for the next level, the next thing, the next possible achievement. That might be abandoning the, the comforts of Miami for another opportunity. We've seen it happen before. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm certainly not saying it's not going to happen. But I'll talk a little bit more about Miami's chances in the play-in tournament and what executives around the league reportedly think about it here in the next segment on Locked on Heat. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Bilt Bar. <laughs> you should have tried them by now. I don't think you need my encouragement to go out there and build your own box of 18 amazing flavors. But if you haven't tried them, go out and get it done. 18 incredible flavors. All the flavors are 100% covered in chocolate. They're all delicious. They're soft and easy to choose. You, you talk about a protein bar and everybody kind of rolls their eyes a little bit and be like, ah, I'm not really interested in something like that. But then you try this, and this is exactly the kind of treat that you want to enjoy, that you're going to indulge in when you're either looking to lose weight or maintain some part of your diet. Then Built Bars are the ones for you. So if right now you go to BuiltBar.com, you can order raspberry or, or mint brownie or coconut chunk or any of the delicious flavors that they have there. And if you do this before Mother's Day, you can get them a box of Built Bars. What kind of mom wouldn't love a box of tasty chocolate-covered treats? Absolutely mine would. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 50% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And when you're done saving a little money ordering some Built Bars, you can go and build even more money on Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. But there's tons of sports action going around with the start of the WNBA season, the NBA playoffs, of course, the NHL, and much more. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs into the playoffs. Head to the website or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. 
With the help of our local experts, I was one of them, just recently appeared on Locked On Today, talked about the Heat and their chances. So make sure you follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Now, I talked about what separates Miami from other would-be play-in candidates, right? Miami is currently not in the play-in tournament, although six games left, a lot can change, and we'll see where they end up at the end of the season. But the difference to me, Jimmy Butler. I maintain that when you have Butler on this roster, he can get the most out of this team. Defensively, certainly, we know what he can do. But he's a momentum-shifting player, an individual that can change the course of a game on his own. That's very infrequently found in the NBA. Even as great as a lot of the players are, very rarely do you have a player that can change the course of the game single-handedly. DeMar DeRozan comes to mind. You know, We just saw him recently with San Antonio. Certainly a hell of a scorer throughout his career, but defensively he can't get a ton. Just has not always been that kind of defensive player. Jimmy can. He'll stop you at the perimeter. He'll steal the ball from you. He'll get that block. He'll make that big play. And yeah, he can get to the line too and slow momentum down, do things differently. Certainly could have been a, a benefit for Miami to have him out there against the Dallas Mavericks. But Eric Spolster also thinks that Jimmy Butler would get some consideration as MVP in a complete year. I'm not so sure about that. I, you know, a recent piece over at The Ringer has Jimmy Butler as the 15th best player in the NBA this season. I didn't read all the details of it, kind of skimmed through it. And from what I could tell, it was just applicable to this season because Nikola Jokic is listed as the best player in the NBA. Now, maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm missing that kind of context for exactly what the criteria was. Friend of the program, Rob Mahoney, did, you know, speak about Jimmy Butler. He has talked to me about Jimmy before and his incredible impact in Miami. So I, I know he is a fan of what Jimmy can do. 15th, tough to argue whether it's too high or too low. But the 15th best player, if he's getting that kind of consideration, regardless of what his numbers are this season or not, that's not an MVP level player. You know, I, some people are arguing whether or not Steph Curry is an MVP level player and he's leading the league in scoring or he's up there, you know, back and forth with Bradley Beal. But you also have to look at, you know, Beal is an interesting argument because as good a scorer as he is, he's not a two way player and the Wizards are struggling a little bit. The narratives, you know, I keep, I keep coming back to it because it's just so important to kind of even remind myself of how much those narratives change your approach to something as which should be as simple as a, a an award selection. But the reality is that there are stories, there's context, all this stuff gets missing there. The Sixers are a great team. They're a great team with a deep roster. They have another, you know, apparently, allegedly, uh, two other all-NBA, all-defensive selections in Matisse Teibel and Ben Simmons, who are fantastic defenders, no doubt. But then somehow Joel Embiid should be defensive of the player year, of the year as well. That's tough to argue. Uh, that it, Embiid should be the MVP as well. You know, how do you separate great players from great teams? Then you're viewed as just a, 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 a player who chucks up a lot of points, a lot of shots, and doesn't necessarily contribute to winning the way that you would uh, a fan base would want you to. And so that's that's not going to work either. So if you're putting up 25, 28 points per game on a team that wins 20 times over the course of regular season, are you the best player in the league? How do you separate that? With Jimmy, look, I I, I personally think he's a top 10 player. I think Bam Adebayo is a top 20 player. 
I've seen their impact, their impact much more closely. But you know, then the flip side of that argument is, well, maybe I haven't seen Dame Lillard enough, or maybe I haven't seen Nikola Jokic enough. And while I cover the NBA at large, nobody, nobody, nobody watches eighty-two times thirty, or seventy-two times thirty in this case, meaning every regular season game for every other team. Like you're going to miss something in a Grizzlies Suns matchup, maybe that really stands out and says, you know what? They could really use Jaron Jackson Jr. in this type of situation. You know, it's a hypothetical, but I'm just trying to posit something that, again, I think most of you should be aware is that when you watch a team much more closely, which is why beat writers tend to vote for their players or players that they cover because they see their individual greatness much more. Sure, it also helps that you want to get in good with a team and you want to vote for their guy as well, so that makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as Jimmy as MVP, I, I personally don't necessarily see it this year. I don't know that it would have changed if it had been a complete season. And Would another 10 games have made that much of a difference? Would uh, Jimmy have not, you know, not missing three weeks, would that have made a difference? Like, look, the, the statistic that they were pointing out to in the article I read was that his win percentage is about 60%, which would put him at fourth best if if Miami was able to maintain that. If Jimmy had played every game for Miami this season, they would be they would be the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. Whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily a statistic that you want to glom to. But uh, it's just interesting that, that Jimmy should get some MVP consideration, according to Eric Spolstra, yet... I don't, I don't think that he will. It kind of feels like somewhat of a lost cause. You know, you kind of support your guy publicly knowing that there's no realistic chance of him getting that kind of consideration this season. I'm not, I'm not faulting Eric for this, nor the, the franchise. I just, I think they're bigger fish for that team to fry. They don't care. They don't care about Bam winning defensive player of the year, although there's been some slow buzz slowly building. I don't think they certainly care about Jimmy as MVP, and he was probably just asked a direct question. I can't recall exactly at what point in time in a recent presser, Jimmy, you know, he was asked about Jimmy's MVP chances or his overall impact or something phrased to such a degree where Spolster would say, yeah, he should be an MVP candidate. Either way, let's move on from there and, and talk a little bit about how some rival executives around the league view Miami's chances in the play-in tournament. <sighs> I guess they've been listening to the Lockdown Heat podcast because as far as I'm concerned, Miami absolutely remains the most dangerous team to play in this situation. Why? Because you give Jimmy the opportunity to win one game, and I think he's going to get it done. We saw that last season. You know, We talked about this with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post last year, I'm sorry, last week, when we were talking about his new book out just a couple days ago, Bubble Ball. And he talked about reporters wanting to go home after the long grind of being the exhausting mental process of being in the Orlando bubble for as long as those reporters were, and that Jimmy simply would not let them go. Winning game three, winning game five, single-handedly, let's be honest. Those, those performances, yes, he got incredible support from others. But without Jimmy and his transcendent performances, that doesn't get done. So I, I believe that... I believe that Miami can pull off something similar to that this season. Maybe they're not the same way. Like they they won't be able to capitalize on the the sequestered nature, the singular focus provided to them by the Orlando bubble. I thought they were going to try to recreate the bubble. I guess the NBA has said, "Nope, we're much more interested in making money for our 30 teams 
rather than securing the the health of our players that are going to be involved in the Orlando bubble or the bubble, whatever that might be, wherever it might be. I mean, players are still missing time due to health and safety protocols. It's going to happen in the playoffs. Newsflash, right? I mean, Zach Levine, the Chicago Bulls are in the midst of a, a run for the playoffs. They're trying to get into the playing tournament. They're trying to do what Miami is trying to avoid. They just want to be tasting the postseason for the first chance ever in a long, long time, let's say. And Levine missed a number of games. So guess what? It's going to happen during the playoffs too. Knock on wood, I wish I had some more wood around me right now, but uh, Miami has been very lucky towards the second half of the season regarding health and safety protocols. Even when Jimmy missed the Dallas Mavericks game, it was for flu-like symptoms, probably tied into whatever was afflicting Duncan last week that eventually went on to Udonis Haslam and others. So, uh, you know, to, to me, I, I'm not concerned about Jimmy and his health. I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he'll be there on Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but I assume that he'll be back sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, Miami just, to me, they're just a, a dangerous team. They're a team that is capable of doing all the little things that a team needs in order to win. They can play defense. They can score. They can shoot from the perimeter. Now, they just haven't been able to do it consistently to do all of those things at the same time. But we see pieces there. Even that first quarter against Dallas, when Trevor Reza was basically torching the Mavericks. And who expected that kind of performance from him? It's a shame that that kind of performance will get overlooked, that it will get wasted in the, in the stories about what happened, you know, about Bam's not coming up big and, and Jimmy's absence and everything else like that. But Trevor, what a huge game from him. Good for him. This is what we need to see from him, and that's what he needs to see from himself. Like, There's no denying that he sees himself capable of these kind of moments, but it's always good to get that encouragement as you're building towards something in the playoffs. I think he's a believer in what Miami can do in the playoffs, and so am I. I, I still think that they're going to be a dangerous team there. I don't want to be proven wrong either, and I'm sure most of you don't want me proven wrong as well, but we'll have to stay tuned. I'll be sure to bring it out. Uh, I'll be continuing to cover the rest of the games of the season, a uh, few notes. Unfortunately, Michael Pina, who was supposed to talk about Bam Adebayo and his Defensive Player of the Year campaign, not available for our conversation on Wednesday. He had to postpone, so that's going to be rescheduled for a later date, but hopefully we'll get that out sooner. And again, I'll be covering the Timberwolves game. I'll be talking about the rest of the Miami Heat season and bringing you the latest news and notes from around the league as well. Just a reminder, you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming. You guys have been sending in some great questions. I've got a couple that I'm still trying to get through and I'm trying to find a way to incorporate maybe this Friday when I host a locker room episode. I'm not sure exactly when that will be, but I'll be opening up a locker room on Friday. I think it will be around 5 p.m., Hopefully all of you will be out of work or nearly out of work, and so you can just hop on the locker room, talk to me, submit questions. The lines are open. It's going to be just like a, a radio call-in show. I'm excited about it. had a, a taste for it a couple weeks ago and uh, looking to redo it again, so hopefully you'll all join me on Locker Room this Friday. Uh, again, you can always reach out to me on email or use the hashtag AskLOHeat on Twitter. You can send me a direct message. A lot of you have done that too. Special thanks to all of our sponsors, but most of all, thanks to you for listening. I'm David Ramil. <laughs>